On today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I talk about the various estimates on how long we could be without NBA basketball, what that might look like when they return, and how that could impact the Sixers, their season, and their future. Once again, as always, please do stay safe and enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bonner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich? I'm okay, man. I'm a little stir crazy, but I think that's true for all of us. But uh... yes, that is certainly true, and I have tried to pretty much stay in quarantine for as much as I could. Uh, you know, I will go out to the grocery store when I need to. And that is just about all I've, I've walked around the neighborhood because I can maintain a six foot distance and not touch anything. And that is more or less all I've done for a week. And it is really unnerving. It is really unnerving. You would think our generation is better prepared to sit on the couch in front of the TV for hours on hours than any generation. But you do have your routines where I, you know, I go to my Starbucks, I go to the practice facility, all these things that are just, that are just gone now. But look, I, I, I am equipped to, I don't need to see people all day, but I need to see somebody at some point in the day or I am losing my, uh, my cats are very excited. They, they really enjoy that. I'm home all day, every day. You know, I, I go outside and I see dogs being walked. I assume dogs are having a blast because their humans are all home. They're getting <laughs> walked more than they probably ever have. Uh, but yes, I, I I could use a little more interaction. I could use a little more change throughout my day. Um, but so this is this, sort of the price that we have to pay to try to keep other people healthy. To try this to is a reminder this that we're not and we're not completely addicted to technology. If that is, if this is serving as anything, yes, uh, yes, on those things. yes, it is. All right, let's talk some anyway. basketball. Well, we're going to try to get one more basketball pod in here. Um, not that the other ones won't be about basketball, but we might have to get a little bit more creative rather than maybe contemporary basketball or, or exactly what's going on with this team right now. But I guess just the lay of the land of where we are. Because I think when we recorded the pot last podcast, I don't even remember what the current thought process was. I think it was a month. Was it a month that we were looking at possibly not having basketball? Well, it wasn't too long after that that the recommendation came down that they were recommending no gatherings of 50 or more people for eight weeks. And uh, basketball games, even process-era basketball games, have more than 50 people there. Um, The Sixers have seemingly 50 player development coaches. Not that all of them would need to be in the arena for one such game, but I couldn't even see 50 people being enough to operate, you know, to coach the two teams, have the players on the two teams, the medical staff you would need, even if they held these in practice facilities, which again, if you were going to hold this in the Wells Fargo center, you would need people to run that building. Having fewer than 50 people at a, a, to run a, a, a professional basketball game seems really unlikely. So two months sort of seems like the absolute bare minimum. If everything goes right and this virus is contained the way we all hope that it is. So what we started, you know, I think it was ESPN. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that the NBA was considering a three month layoff, which would bring them back in mid June. I think Adam Silver did acknowledge that 
of course it's on the table that the season could be canceled because right now it seems like everybody is just guessing. So I guess we'll we'll go under a couple of assumptions here. We'll start off with you know what does a two to three month layoff look like? What does basically resuming basketball in June look like? How does that impact the Sixers? And then we'll sort of go from there. So let's assume that basketball would resume in three months, which means maybe practices would start back up in two months, sometime in May. How does that impact the Sixers and the rest of this season? Well, I think the Sixers have one of the most obvious benefits in the NBA with their injured players, and uh, specifically one injured player, and that's Ben Simmons back. And this is going on another assumption because we don't know exactly what Ben Simmons is dealing with. By the way, how useless was that press conference before? Oh, my God. I, it completely got swept under the rug. A couple of things really got swept under the rug. Ben Simmons' injury update and uh, Jimmy Butler's comments, which were pretty wide-ranging. Yeah, no, his that press conference was pretty useless. We would have we talked about have... that for like a week on a normal yeah. march. Yeah. We still have no real knowledge of the underlying condition or any real... He was like, I'm feeling more confident than when I injured it, but I can't give a timeline and I can't guarantee I'll be ready for the playoffs, Um, which again, a couple hours later, because it it was actually that same day that would prove to be pretty irrelevant. But yeah, it's, it's, that was not a, uh, the best update in the world. So hopefully a three month layoff, he would be back, but information is not exactly flowing in that regard. So when I did the post on the, the athletic.com slash Philly, they, uh, the doctor that I talked to thought from just all the information that he got that it was probably a herniated disc. And if it is a herniated disc, one of the assumptions he made is that, you know, you don't necessarily need surgery for that. And Ben at least did say that. Like he was asked, I think directly, are you considering surgery? And he was like, well, that's kind of a last case option. I'm I'm feeling better now. We'll see how it progresses, but that's kind of, that's off in the distance if, if it's necessary. So if you don't, he said, the doctor said that, you know, somewhere in the 12-week timeline. And at that time, the the spine specialist from Emory University, I'm blanking on his name right now. I'm sorry about that. He said that obviously like 12 months is not a good number for, for Ben Simmons because it was, you know. 12 weeks. Or sorry, yeah, 12 weeks. 12 months is <laughs> 12 months still not a good number. But uh, <laughs> okay, but 12 weeks is now a good number. That takes you to mid May, like late May. You know, under the assumption that we'll get back going in June, he'd be ready to go. And look, there's still so much uncertainty surrounding Simmons. Can he ramp it up to full activity? Can he turn into that Usain Bolt type of speed that you see on a daily basis on the fast break because that is a big part of what makes him really good right now. Um, so I, I guess with Simmons, it, it's still a, a huge variable. It's still something that we're just projecting. We don't know what's going to happen. But I will say this, can't hurt, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, outside of maybe Kevin Durant, although I did see – I think Rich Kleiman kind of downplayed the potential of him coming back. Besides Kevin Durant, this is probably the biggest injury in the NBA that could maybe benefit from this three-month absence and 
and maybe he's a different player or or much healthier by the time he comes back. And so for that, I mean, like, like this whole thing sucks. I, you know, I, I want to preface it with, with that. Obviously, you know, everybody's lives are being turned upside down, but just strictly from a basketball standpoint, you know, I think the Sixers can at least find that benefit if, uh, if Ben is able to come back. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Ben was, you know, he, I, one of the other takeaways from that press conference is he wasn't, he wasn't running yet. He wasn't doing anything on a basketball court. He said it was chronic, um, or I'm sorry, he said it was acute, not chronic, just something that happened. So that would seemingly minimize a chance it was a repetitive stress injury. He said he has no pain and he was feeling strong. But yeah, other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of real great information. He has no pain, but he's not doing he's not any sort yet. of yeah. running yep. in his rehab. And what's happened in the week since then? I don't know. We haven't uh, been around the team at all. They're all quarantined. We wouldn't be. There's how long was the 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 ban on uh, um, indefinite ban now on practices? Originally, it was supposed to go through this past Monday. They extended that indefinitely. So there really it was at least a month, right? I thought I saw that. Maybe it's indefinite. Whatever. They're, they're letting players fly out of market to maybe their own homes, right? Because there is such a long layoff coming here. So that is maybe the other. So I, I guess there's two major takeaways from that layoff. One is it maybe gets the coaching staff. It's, it's sort of like you know how Brett always says he heads up to um to Maine. To, to Maine. Yeah, he heads up to Maine. Uh, he sort of sits down, thinks about ways that they can prepare for the stretch run. Well, he's got he's got more than two weeks now. He's got a hell of a lot more than two weeks to maybe try to figure out how to integrate these pieces if and when they get back healthy and whether or not to keep shaking that lineup, whether to try to force Al Horford back in with Simmons and Embiid, if they are available when they come back. So they have a little more time to prepare for what they've seen and use that. And for a team, you know, for a team that is a, a contender or a, a at least quasi contender, I, I feel like they usually don't have these many questions. So maybe that time can, you can get a little more clarity on figuring stuff out. Um, clarity needed not only because you changed so much of it this off season, but because some of it didn't really work. But the other takeaway I have is how well are some of these players going to stay in shape now that they're playing video games for the next two months? Some players, uh, how much, some players, I'm not going into any specifics. Oh, um, I don't know. <laughs> we have seen in the past where if Joel is not running up and down the court in games and in practices, conditioning has not always been perfect. So is he going to have the discipline to be in game shape when these games start back up? It is, uh, t- to me, that is the other major takeaway here if we're talking about a, a two-month layoff before we even really start getting back into a practice schedule. It's a great question. I don't know how anybody stays in shape during this time. I mean, I guess you can, you know, if your neighborhood's pretty empty, you can go for a run and, and not get within six feet of people. I don't even know if that's recommended or not. I, I assume that's okay. But yeah, I don't know what Joel does. I mean, I would imagine at some point he'll be able to go back to the Sixer facility if he, uh, you know, has been quarantined and determined not to be sick, right? So they can do something with him there. But yeah, I agree. I mean, he's had every opportunity in the past to be in great shape when he comes back and it just 
for whatever reason. If you want to say it's his personal habits, if you want to say, you know, it's like um, physiological, like he's just like, I, I, my body type, I just get out of shape really, really quickly if I'm not playing. Whatever it is, I think it's probably a little bit of both on those. But yeah, I mean, like with the, uh, with the extended absence that we're getting here, it seems, uh, it seems pretty dicey and ho- hopefully, you know, when they do return, you know, we're, we're operating under the assumption that it's, you know, two, three months when they come back, hopefully there's like a few weeks of practice and maybe even a few regular season games for not just Joel, but for everybody to get in shape. Um, cause that's going to be important because I think if you look at like, you know, you can look everywhere around the league, like which players are going to be in shape, which aren't. I, I think you can ask that question of a lot of people, but uh, I think Joel is one of the first people, unfortunately, that I think you'd have to ask that about. Yeah. And I mean, the only time he's really had a layoff where he's come back in and you're like, he looks like he's in shape was the start of the 2018-19 season when he had that whole summer where he could, you know, he didn't have any restrictions in terms of his lower body. And he came back and he was, you know, working with Drew Hanlon most of the summer and he hit the, he hit the ground running to start the season. Other than that, pretty much any time there's been this kind of injury where there's been a layoff, that's been a concern. Um, and and start of the season, it was a concern. Like you said, he had a chance to sort of work him, his way back into shape throughout the season. Well, you're not going to have, there's no ramp up period here. Like, we don't know if they come back in June, if there's going to be a right, if they're just going to call off the regular season. We don't know, maybe they'll abbreviate the regular season, whether the first round could be shortened, whether there's a million different ways this way could go. But almost all of them require a, a pretty quick, you know, you've, you've got to be able to hit the ground running. So, yeah, that, that, that's, that's definitely going to be a, be a concern. All right, let's take a quick break to hear from Hydrant. Did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We are suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day long. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code SIXERS at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code SIXERS for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com, enter promo code SIXERS. And now back to the show. So so those are the two player things that come to mind right away. Now let's, let's go to another assumption here. Let's say they start the playoffs right away. Right now, I think I'm looking at this right. The Sixers are the sixth seed, right? I think they're yep. they're down two one Indiana in the season series, so that would make them the six. That would mean they would jump right into a three six series against Boston. Yeah. Holy crap! Can you imagine if that was a five game series too? Yeah, yeah. Boston <laughs> having the uh, home court, yeah. But all and you look- really need to do is win one game on the road. Then you're back where you never lose. That would be 
That would be madness, but it's also kind of well, the, back where you never lose, but who knows if there's going to be fans in those seats. It's a great point. No, come on, man. They never lose at their practice facility when they play. <laughs> NBA teams don't come oh. into Camden or Wilmington and get wins. Come on. The uh yeah, it's it's a Can great Can you point. imagine that? Can you imagine them playing in that practice facility? It it would be crazy. The one thing that would be interesting about it though is I wonder if they could make it like a really good TV product. Well, they have a million cameras in there. Can you can you that, repurpose all of their tracking cameras to be broadcast? Give me like 18 different views to see. And you, you also could kind of get the really close-in view if there's nobody in the seats, right? Yeah. I just would. That would be I, so like, weird. Oh, my God. Can you imagine like a game five at Boston's practice facility and Embiid is cursing and, oh, my God, like like you could hear all of the interactions between the players. That would be so weird, and I also think so entertaining at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, that's on the table as well. But, you know, theoretically, like, let's say you do get that six seed, the the, uh, the dream scenario of a lot of people pre-pandemic to getting to the conference finals would be on the table because you would avoid Milwaukee until that final round of these. Yeah, the, the downside is that the Celtics are playing pretty good basketball, and the Sixers have had success against them. So far this season, uh, but that is, I mean, I think the Sixers have accounted for like three of their 21 losses all year. Uh, and that is a team that is pretty recently off of a stretch where they won nine out of 10. I think they're struggling a little bit towards the end, but they've been, they've been a real good team. And I think the Sixers match up pretty well against them, but that would be, you know, Sixers road to the conference finals is not easy regardless of how the seating ends up playing out. Yeah. And one other thing, too, another potential injury advantage, I would say, is that Kemba Walker was dealing with a lot of knee trouble. Give him a couple weeks off, that might get a little better. Yep. All right, so let's say the season is canceled. First time in the history of the NBA, I believe, that a season is canceled. What does that mean for everything? Like, how does that... And I, I mean, beyond, like... Focusing in on this team, like, does that make it more or less likely that they run it back, that they bring back Brett Brown, that they bring back this front office intact? Like, do you think, can they plausibly say, well, look, we don't know, we don't know whether this team would have won in the playoffs because we didn't have a chance to see that. Like, does that buy you another year of running it back? The decision-making in that scenario would be fascinating. Yeah. Because... I think you can say that the way this season is trending, they were going to fall short of their goal. And not only were they going to fall short, there was a better chance of them falling way short of their ultimate goal than even getting kind of close or or losing admirably at some point. I I would say that that's probably how the season has gone. That said, and, and I've kind of said this during all the fire Brett calls during this year, give them until the playoffs. Like, let them lose in the playoffs and then make a decision. And that's not how you should completely judge a season. But, like, look, if if you are going through a season saying that we're going to be better in the playoffs, this team is made for going one-on-one against the team seven times in a row. And the regular season, for whatever reason, if, if we're not focused or the way the game changes, it'll get more physical, blah, blah, blah. It's... uh. It's going to be more suited for us to the playoffs. 
they legitimately would have no chance to play it. Like, you know, so I don't know really how you make a decision there. And it's, you know, I think there are other circumstances too. It's not just Brett Brown. It's, you know, Al Horford has not been a great fit here. But you saw some signs of life from him over the past week, albeit against some dog shit opposition. But, like, let's say he had a good couple rounds in the playoffs. Does that make it easier to trade him without attaching a first-round pick or something like that? I don't know. So, yeah, if they cancel the season, God, the decision-making process would be fascinating. Because I think there are a few things we assumed at least would happen. And I don't know how you how you make those decisions now. I, and I, I don't know what a right answer is. I'm sure a lot of people would say, Brown's got to go regardless of how it's going. And I'm not even saying you're wrong. I'm just saying like, that's completely unprecedented. And everybody, they they have cover because of this thing that nobody asked for. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It is so strange. And this is a team that I still think what starting five has played like 20 games together, 19, I think maybe something really comically small. And when the, the, all the, all five were together, you know, we always look at the, the numbers. And when you look at four of the five, that's good. They're no, they're, 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 that's pretty bad. All five together, I think they have like a plus eight net rating. But there's been so many minutes where four of the five have played oh, without with, without Josh. You basically ask which data set is more interesting. Is it the larger one, or do you believe that Josh made all the difference in the world? So they didn't play all that much together. I think it's pretty clear that Simmons and Bede Horford, not great as a combination. Was Shake, how was, was Shake legit? Like was what we were seeing, could you slot him in as a starter? Could he, his skill set have helped alleviate some of those spacing concerns and those ball handling concerns? It is, look, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think the resources were spent well to build this roster. I don't think Brett did a particularly great job with it. I mean, part of the, part of the, the road issues aren't just roster construction. It's focus and, 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 and effort and consistency. And some of that does have to fall on, on, on Brett. Some of it yep. might be variants too, but like the effort wasn't there every night on the road. It was a weird season with a weird team that fit in a weird way, cut short before you had a chance to see whether or not they could correct it for the stretch run. It would be, and look, it, it probably depends on how much pressure comes down on the front office and how much of that comes down on a coach. It probably comes down to how much they believe in Brett from years past and how much some of those, you know, those rumors, those reports that Brett was close to being fired in the past were true. Because if they really did, and, and I mean, is Brian Colangelo here? No, but everybody else that's here was brought in under him. How much truth was there that they wanted to 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 replace Brett with Mike D'Antoni, but weren't able to? And D'Antoni eventually then went to Houston. How much truth was there that Brett was close to being let go last year if they didn't perform well in the second round of the playoffs? If those are true, then they'll probably try to use whatever excuse they have. It doesn't even come down to whether or not you know they think he deserved the playoffs to have a chance to to try. And how much how much flexibility do the front office to Elton Brand and his staff have to make that decision? Um, how much 
are the owners going to want to be a part in that? How, what do the owners think of Brett? There's so many different factors here. And part of the problem is we don't entirely know who's making the decision and who's doing the legwork on making the case to make the decision and who Josh Harris is truly listening to. Uh, this collaborative management team. We don't know who, whose track record to really look at. But yeah, it would be, I mean, it would be, it's just, it's unprecedented. It really is. It would be, um, you know, like I said, I don't think the roster was put together well. I don't think the coaching staff necessarily got the most out of it. But there is still some part of me that thinks they should have had a chance to play in the playoffs and see whether or not they could have fixed it. I mean, it's just such a batshit situation. Like, do I think it would be fair to fire Brett if they canceled the season? No, but fair doesn't have a lot to do with it. It's just, and I mean, this doesn't just go for the Sixers. Like, how teams proceed? I mean, like for teams like look at look at we'll look at Giannis, right? He's I know. he's next year will be the final final year of his deal. Milwaukee is going to have to make a decision on whether or not they think he's going to want to stay. And ideally, the blueprint there. Well, I mean, not too much of a blueprint because Kawhi just did it and still left. Win but the, the blueprint. The blueprint is if you know Milwaukee makes uh, NBA Finals. Giannis is more happy he's going to stay. And Giannis has never really played the any, anything's up in the air card. Like he, he seems like he likes Milwaukee, but you know, that's a small market. Like that question has followed them all year. You would hope that a finals run would answer that. They're not going to have a chance to do that. The, the, the look at the Rockets, the coach, the general manager who pissed off, you know, huge market, the unorthodox roster construction with no center and <laughs> Robert Covington, your rim protector. Like would that have worked in the playoffs? We won't get answers to a million different questions. And it's, um, you know, there, there are a million real-world concerns. We are a basketball podcast. I think last last podcast we focused a lot on the real world. Trying to focus on the concerns in the basketball world in this one, it feels a little bit off to do so. But there are a lot of concerns here basketball-wise that won't get answered because of this. Here's a big concern. What the hell is the draft going to look like? Yeah. Yep. I do know one thing that the draft would look like. If they did cancel the season. Well, maybe they'll they'll throw this out. I have no idea. I do know that the Sixers will have a first-round pick if they keep these standings. That's true. Was it 21 or 22? OKC? Uh, 22, I think. Made it by a mile. Not a... Yeah. Not many people would have expected that one to convey. Turns out Chris Paul is still really good at basketball. Would be unbelievable. And then they have another first-rounder out of nowhere, and... Albeit not in a great draft, but you know we we were talking about this off air a little bit the uh, the scouting process for this draft. Like let's say it happens in I don't know the finals happen in mid August, early August. So it you know draft happens in late August. Be really goofy. Like there there probably would be no combine. First off, not like that's the biggest deal in the world, but that's you know that's where a lot of information. Gets tossed around, right? Yep. There would be none of that. Teams would, I would assume, maybe they'd be able to fly players in for one-on-one workouts by then. But, you know, it, it would go down to a lot of scouting off videotape, I would say. And, yeah, may, may, maybe some Skype interviews <laughs> rather than bring them in in person. You get Jerry Colangelo. He's familiar with Skype. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> Ask him how it works. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, really weird, really weird. And then free right. agency after that, I mean, 
this will happen in rapid succession, and it does happen to an extent in a in rapid succession during a normal calendar, right? Like finals, draft, free agency. That's all you know within the same month, but you know it'll, it'll certainly be different for sure. Oh, I I mean when you start talking about different, like who knows when the season will end? Who knows when the next one will begin? Who knows how that will all play out? Um, even just the the one that keeps going back, like playing playoff games and like practice arenas is just, I can't, I can't get over that one. I can't. <laughs> All right, let's take one more quick break this time to hear from the black tux. The black tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suited tuxedo for their big day. Did you know that the black tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine. It turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tuck shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible, unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it out one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the one you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit of tuxedo at the Black Tux com and enjoy 10% off with code Sixers. That's theblacktux.com code Sixers for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. And now back to the show. All right, let's, uh, two, two questions, two more overarching questions about the season, and then we will cut this one pretty short. What do you think is, and this is, we we're going to write about this for a, and that, basically an Atlantic division round table. I'm pulling these questions from, so go check that out eventually. Um, what do you think is the biggest thing you've learned from this season about the Sixers? I mean, I think that they don't fit well offensively. And, and I think the, if, if I want to say that in a more um, productive way, I would say that I feel like they've gone too far in search of talent and they've disregarded fit around their two best players specifically too much. Basically they have, they've went too hard on talent and not gotten talented enough players to, uh, get rid of those fit concerns. And that would be my, uh, my biggest thing moving forward that they need to find players who fit around those guys and they need to kind of bridge the, the talent, fit question better because yeah. you know you talked about it the uh, the lineup data with with four players even i would assume even with uh the starters like that plus eight it's with a comically good defense oh yeah and a bad it was offense. like a, it was like a 95 defensive rating and like a 103 offense yeah i don't it was I don't still like, bad offense it was just the best defense we've seen in a long time yeah man i don't like that i, I can deal with you know a slightly above average offense and the best defense of all time but to me, I would rather have a product because I think with Embiid, you know, clicking on, on all cylinders or even, you know, on some of his cylinders, whatever, 
you're still going to have a great defense. And and what we've seen from Simmons on that end, while we've talked about it, it hasn't always borne out in the stats, like RPM and those things. I, I think it's safe to say that he's gotten a lot better on that end, and he helps you. Um, but I just think you need shooting and ball handling around those guys and, and quick decision-making, and they just don't have enough of it right now. Yeah. I think, I mean, m- my initial response to this question was like, dribbling and shooting matter but that's that's a little overly simplistic i think really what it, it's it's call it whatever you want you can call it you know basketball iq or creativity or or vision or read and react players who can make quick decisions quick timely mostly accurate decisions are so important and the sixers just have so few of them like there's just no there are so many times where whether it's Josh or Tobias or whoever it may be has a, a decent pass, a good chance to create a look for somebody else. And they just don't see it. And it drives me insane. And I think the Sixers, they just need more people who can make consistently quick and on time and somewhat creative decisions. And they just don't, they just don't have that. And, you know, I do think they went, very heavily onto players who, you know, multi-positional defenders. And when you start looking for that, like it becomes tough to get all the skills that you want. Yep. And I think they leaned a little too heavily on defense. You know, I think they really wanted those, you know, seasons in the past where JJ Redick was hunted or Dario Saric was hunted. I think they made an effort to not have that happen to them this year. I mean, Brett Brown, how many times does he talk about, we need to guard our man. And that. In the, that Boston series, they talked about that a lot, and I think that frustrated them. And it's just, I think they went a little too far in the opposite direction. And by a little bit too far, I mean one of the weirdest lineups we've ever seen <laughs> in the recent history of the sport. And that's what sucks about potentially not having playoffs, because we can't see if their bet would pay off or not. I don't think it would have, but yeah. like, you know, let's give, let's give them a fair shot, right? And, it's, uh, it's, it's weird talking about this season almost like it's in the rearview mirror. It's so weird to talk about it like that. Yeah, but I think we've come to the same conclusion that, and I think part of it is that even as good as Embiid is offensively, and he can get a lot better at handling double teams and all those things, I've pretty much given up the idea of him being a quick decision maker. Ben's a quick decision maker, although he kind of he likes to probe and and find people, but the other three guys have to be ball movers. Yep. I would say. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think they really, they have Al. I would say Al is a ball mover, but. Yes. Yeah. Jay Rich and Tobias are not. And uh, No. And the, the problem with Al is, I mean, he's a 9% usage guy next to your best player. All right. Last one. Are the Sixers in a better place now than they were at the start of the season? I mean, I think they're in the same place. I think we just didn't know. Right. Where they were at. The, the answer is probably no, but. They didn't do anything in the middle of the season to make their fortunes moving forward better or worse. We just saw the team that was put together this summer sputter a lot offensively. I mean, the, the, the clear answer there, though, is no, because around the league, all of your assets are valued yeah. less, and you're not only are you locked into them, but you don't believe that they can fit anymore. Yeah, like one the rest of the league's watching at, Shake Milton, though. I'm just saying. That, well, look— Shake 
if Shake and Matisse are legit, like two or three years down the line, that's a huge deal. So that would be important. But like, yeah, singles are great. You've got to get the big ones right too. And you know, one of the things we talked about last summer, like finally you have a core who you think could be here for a couple of years around Embiid and Simmons. You have these guys, young players in specifically in Tobias, a young player in Josh who you would hope to extend eventually. And a role player in Horford who was signed to a four-year contract. Now you can get some consistency around your two guys. And that doesn't look like that's in the cards at all. Like there's, I think if if they came back and and ran it back this year, I think there'd be a lot of frustrated, rightfully so, people. Because there's just not a belief that they fit around your stars. So you have players who Josh is worth less than he was before because he's now one year closer to free agency. And he's going to get a big payday. Al is worth less because he had a bad season and is is being paid a big a big amount uh, at a position that is deep in the NBA. Tobias is worth less than he was because he's on a huge contract now. And it's just you don't have that many tradable assets to maneuver here. And, I mean, you can make a case that Shake and, and Matisse play a part in that. Certainly, Matisse is worth now, more now than he was at the time of the draft but um no i mean it's you needed to get those decisions right when they finally you know they so many years one year deals one year contracts keep ourselves flexible keep it so we can pounce when we get the chance to and now they pounced and the pieces are either not good enough or don't fit or a combination of the two um so yeah they're in a they're in a worse spot and also like your 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 two main guys i mean simmons took a pretty big jump at the end of the season uh, i think Joel was sort of rounding himself into form, but they did not, Joel specifically did not become the MVP winner that I think a lot of people thought were in the cards. Yeah, he he had a little bit of a rough season. And, you know, I mean, like looking at it as a positive, if the season does get canceled, from what we can tell, his lower body's pretty healthy right now. Maybe he could have a long off season and and get in better shape and, and be ready to go by the time next year starts. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think, uh, I think the, the path forward for these guys in general, and there's so much uncertainty around it, is their two stars need to get better. I saw on... Um, and people around them need to fit. Yep. Yep, and that's the that's the two parts. The, the front office needs to do their part. And, you know, it's... Look, we're asking a lot of Ben and Joel, but frankly, uh, they, they cannot stay at their current level. And, uh, and I think really hope to contend for titles unless I don't know, the front office works magic, but I'm just saying more realistically, if they're able to rework the, the lineup around them and get those quick decision makers, maybe they're not quite as talented as Tobias and Josh. If, uh, if those guys can go up another level and it's pretty simple, Joe's got to get his butt in shape and, and figure out how to, how to read a double team. Ben, I mean, we know. I uh, it's funny. I was looking at uh, Chris Johnson, his uh, trainer. Yeah, his his Instagram. He's showing old highlights from the summer, <laughs> and uh, I don't know if this was. I don't know how Instagram works. If you can turn off comments or not, but uh, one video was CP3 working out in the summer, and the other one was Simmons working out and shooting all those threes, and uh, the comments were turned off for the Simmons. One. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that was on purpose. I don't know how that works, but uh, yeah, I, I did not want to see that at this point. But 
Like, look, that's got to happen. And, uh, yeah, I, I still think it's, it's doable because I think those guys are young enough and talented enough to still get a lot better. But the, uh, I, I think the, the point of this is that this team is at a major, I mean, they, they already were at a major crossroads, but they're, they're now working with, you know, much less ammo to, to maneuver and, and rejigger the roster. So those guys have to do their part too. All right. I think that is good enough place to cut it off. We will have to get creative here with some of these podcasts because we do not have any real new information to talk about. Everyone, please do take social distancing seriously. Quarantine as much as you can. It's not just about you. It's about everyone else you come in contact with. It's about other people who may not be able to fight to fight the disease as well as you can. So please be safe. Please be responsible. Rich, we will talk to you soon and take care. See you, man.